This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another preview episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. International breaks saw Adam Randall's England and Ryan Hardy's Scotland qualify for next summer's Euros with Freddie Asaka's Wales keeping their European hopes alive. Unlike those mentioned, Connor Hazard actually played in a 3-0 qualification win over San Marino and he managed to do something that Kasper Schmeichel couldn't keep a clean sheet against the European minnows that are San Marino. Saturday sees us head to the Hawthorns to take on Carlos Corbrand's West Bromwich Albion. So we're just going to talk through that, basically. Uh, joining me tonight is Dan Ellard. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Looking forward for the international break to be finally over. Yeah, yeah I see that you're back writing for Argo Life. Can you give us a quick run through of your latest piece? Yeah, so um, just did a piece on... Um, five bizarre Argyle moments that you may have forgotten about, which is probably one of the more clickbaity titles I'll ever um, produce. But uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, we we talk a lot about the golden moments and the very worst moments, but just there's been some downright bizarre things that have happened uh, involving Argyle over the years. So I just explore some of those. Zach, Zach Rodden has propelled the ball towards goal with a body part and you won't believe which one. Yes, that is number five. I, I didn't I didn't go to the extent of um, you know, you won't believe what number five is because I thought that would be too far for clickbait. But uh yeah. Well it's good to see that our, our articles are now uh, approaching the same level as our social media output. Ben, two in a row. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. It's been absolutely mental for me the last uh, sort of three or four days. I'm in the middle of trying to do a um a video series on on the squad but i've had no chance to do that in fact only just able to catch up with the weekend's podcast i really enjoyed your interview with uh with matt tiller uh so i'm looking forward to uh looking forward to the 24th i'll be there for that it's, it's right up my street that book um on three or four different accounts so yeah uh i'll throw my hat in the ring for the book review podcast special yeah nice that might be something that we could do during another monotonous international break oh no more, no more. No, hopefully not. Finn, glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back after a long time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's so long that you've just about worked out how to use Zoom. Yeah. And last but not least, the professionally mic'd up John Allsop. <laughs> uh, I'm good, thank you, Aaron. For for listeners um, uh, who won't be able to see this, I have a uh, brand new uh, podcasting microphone that my girlfriend gave me for my birthday uh, as a joke gift to celebrate what she sees as my midlife crisis uh, becoming a podcaster. I'm 31 for reference. So yeah, if I sound exactly the same, then I shouldn't. Sorry, sorry, mate. I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just hang on. One, two. Yeah, please don't tap it. Um, sorry, one, 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 two. That's my score prediction actually for Saturday. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, as long as it's an away win. Obviously, you mentioned it already, Ben, the boring international break in which obviously England triumphed 3-1 over Italy last night. What what are your thoughts on the international break as a whole? You just you just spend it, like me, just bored waiting for Argo to return? Or do you actually enjoy them? I No, I have no interest in international football. 
at all. Um, it's disproportionately, it's, it's it's unbalanced in terms of the pools of players you can draw from, uh, the money and resources available for the training. So I think until you get to the knockout rounds of genuine international competition, uh, I have no interest in international football. But that's just my take. Anybody, anybody else enjoy it or not? Not really. No. I was watching extremely non-league football uh, in London last night, so did not see the England-Italy game, which seemed like it actually might have been decent. I did sit through the uh, England one Australian nil result on Friday night, which was an utterly turgid game of football. Southgate taking the opportunity to rotate some of the real fringe players into the side, like uh, Watkins and Duncan Grealish. I focus more on the um, having Welsh family, um, focus more on the Wales uh, games in the international break because it gives you a bit more to a bit more jeopardy rather than just winning every game, even though the football's turgid. Um, it was a good result. Uh, well, great result for Wales against Croatia. So that, that interested me. And I watched the England game last night um, and it, it was a good performance. I mean, to be honest, I think having Jude Bellingham on the pitch is the difference between England being remotely interesting and completely turgid, to be honest, at the moment. So, Speaking of being fake Welsh, how did um, future Argyle striker Kiefer Moore get on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, he... I mean, I didn't really notice him too much. Uh, I mean, I think Harry Wilson was, was, the, was the key player you know, full stop on on um, on Tuesday, but um, but yes, not not bad, not great. Um, it's kind of weird, really, because you know there was all that talk about him going in the in the summer to a championship side. Oh, to be yeah. fair, to be fair, Finn, a lot of that talk came from you. Oh yes, yeah, but I would like to say reliably sourced, but whatever. It likely, but can't. Yeah, yeah. But you know, so there was, you know, there was a you know from other teams as well. You know, going here, going there. He hasn't really played that Bournemouth too much, so be interesting to see where he goes anywhere in January. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're a Championship level player, you're going to play for Wales because they haven't got an abundance of talent at the moment. So talking of Championship uh, level players, I gave you a bit of um, homework to do, Finn. How did yeah. uh, Freddie Asaka get on? In the international break, yeah, well, it's funny really because uh, he um, he was in the squad twice, on the bench twice, and didn't feature twice. Um, so, two, so one draw, they drew both games: one against England, one all, and one against Austria, nil nil. Having said that, you know, it's not it's not disastrous for him. I mean, he is playing like basically two years up from his from his age. We've got under nineteens, if you. We can't like that, you know, he's still only 17. So to be getting in the squad, um, I was think it's quite an achievement. He'd obviously be disappointed to not even feature, but I suppose, you know, England's a very, I mean, he, I mean, Saka himself has played for, I believe, England under 17 or 16 for a game as well. Yeah, he's but like, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition when you're playing against, you know, England, um, well, when, when you wait for recognised Cornwall, he's going to go on and be their uh, their all time appearance goal scorer. Everything. Yeah, we'll have no Cornish slander on here. Whilst we're on uh, fake international allegiances, Dan, you you've been known to be a bit fake Irish. How was your international? Well, hey, well, I don't know what you're talking about there, Aaron. I I, I thought it was a really disappointing weekend. You know, we we played really well against uh, the All Blacks, but you know, just. Uh, just got pipped to the post, but that's uh, that's one of those things, isn't it? I didn't no, know he played he Irish. Playing, uh, yeah, very good. Horrible weekend, thanks. <laughs> Glad to hear Dan, it. Dan, um, Dan actually messaged me about potentially staying at my flat in London to watch Ireland in the <sighs> Rugby World Cup final during the game that they then lost. <laughs> I would say I put the word potentially in that message multiple times or theoretically, <laughs> something like that. But that's fine. I won't come then. I've told him he's very welcome to come and watch England win the Rugby World Cup, but I'm yet to hear back. So whilst we're, whilst we're on internationals, um, how long is it going to take for Michael O'Neill to realise that Connor Hazard is superior to Bailey Peacock Farrell, Ben? 
a good a good three nil win for Northern Ireland over San Marino. Yeah, I don't know if that's the uh, the game that he'll draw his conclusions from. I don't know as an Argo fan if you want your goalkeeper getting injured playing against San Marino. To be honest, obviously it does it does wonders for his confidence um, if he can get regular minutes and especially keep clean sheets, regardless of who it's against. And it's, uh, certainly if he is playing, depending on how our FA Cup run uh, goes, he might not be getting any minutes before too long. So um, being able to get uh, the manager's eye early doors um, is, is good for him because if nothing else, if Cooper comes back and performs and he's impressed for for Northern Ireland, then he should be able to get some game time there and keep himself in the shop window, depending which way the goalkeeper decision goes, whether um, Cooper's available for sale, etc. come the summer. And I'm not worried about Connor Hazard getting injured. We've got three other goalkeepers, right? That's what they're for. And I'm sure Zach Baker will be getting FA Cup minutes uh, before long. Ben Wayne featured for New Zealand. Um, a game he, he played in the... Um, I didn't write down what game he played in. He played against somebody. started... Who did they play? Don't know. Um, our friend football. They, played, they played Australia in a game that was, for some reason, known as the Soccer Ashes. So, yeah. if, if anyone can explain that, uh, answers on the postcard. Um, I think it's like the cricket, mate, but just soccer. Yeah, and not involving England. No, well, it was in England, so it involves us. True. Yeah. Good. Anyway, he played. He didn't. I don't think he played in that one. Um, our friends. Football NZ said not his best performance, but good movements. I think he's better as the second forward playing with a bigger number nine next to him. He played as a winger because he's fast. Um, so he played out wide. If he's if he's going to work in that big man, little man combination, surely there is no bigger number nine than Chris Wood that he could have played up alongside. So um, not sure what's going on there. Um, that's how I would have played him. Um that's pretty much it. Before we jump on to West Brom, there's a question from um, Anthony Hick on Twitter, or X as it's now known. Does anybody know anything about the rumoured behind closed doors friendly we were meant to have had versus Torquay? Um, and did Cooper play 90 minutes? Uh, I did see that a mention of it in uh, Herald or Plymouth Live, but nothing more than that. Mm. Just saying that. Cooper is likely to get some minutes. Um, but quite often they like to keep those behind closed. I mean, obviously, but those behind closed doors friendly is very behind closed doors, don't they? Oh well. So. Anyway, last one then. I'm not sure if anybody's seen the Beckham documentary. There's there's apparently an Ian Holloway documentary out soon that features Neil Warnock. Uh, a little side question before we get into the meat of this uh, pod. If you could commission a documentary on any former Argyle man, who are you choosing? Dan. Alfie Lewis. Oh. <laughs> um oh it probably um it'd be Jack Leslie, wouldn't it? Mm. How much they'd be able to kind of how much they you know they'd be able to kind of flesh it out into a documentary, I don't know, but it would be certainly a very interesting topic, wouldn't it? I would um I would pick Cherno Samba based on him being a world class player on football manager who ended up <laughs> not really having a good professional career, and I believe has written a a book about it. He was so, on a yeah. documentary, and uh, he feels like the next step there. He was on a documentary with Sky over the I watched over the summer break about um the transfer window. So he's now an agent. To um, give a boring kind of serious answer, Frio would be a, an interesting one. He was sort of the end of the era where you could pick up really good players that had gone under the radar before sort of data and stuff came in. He had a very successful career here. One of the club's sort of favourite sons. He, he scouted for a top three, four club in the world. He's now, you know, got a, a top job, top position at a, uh, one of the league guns giants. And so there'd just be some interesting little bits in, in that, but that's not a fun answer. So Mickey Evans would be hilarious. I'd love to see the, I bet there's some great fly on the wall stuff from, from Mickey Evans. According to Google, David Frio is out at Marseille as of four hours ago. Wow, that's timely. Wow. Bring him in. Right, we're right on the news here. Give give him a ring. Every every Everybody who's ever had any association with Argyle and been remotely successful, we need them somewhere in the club. No, I'm, I'm joking. But it's, it's certainly a good contact to have in the contact book, like, you know, Neil Wardock. Someone you can ring up, keep on friendly terms, invite him to a few games. You can stay at Roman Lario's house, surely. Uh, yeah, according to 
I'm going to butcher this, L'Equipe? Oh, maybe I got that right. Uh, Marseille sporting director David Frio is set to leave the League 1 uh, club imminently with, not going to try and pronounce that name, most likely to replace him. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm like the, I like the fact we've got breaking news now. Um, for me, the documentary would... I've had most of today to think about this. There's only two obvious answers. One, um, Sir John Sheridan. Um, that would be uh, brilliant. Cuts between incredible and um, ocean winner seasons. Uh, Chesterfield. Cuts between Oldham and another club and Oldham and another club and Chesterfield and <laughs> Oldham and Chesterfield. Yeah, and uh, Chesterfield. Did, uh, did they win the Johnston Pate Trophy under him? Anyway, that'd be class. And then, obviously, the only other one is Derek Adams because that would be some incredible um, piss-boiling content. Anyway, uh, if we should talk about the game itself then, uh, John, you're joining me up at the Hawthorns. I believe. Um, how do you see this one panning out? Yeah. Um, so I think I broke my string of saying that we would draw every single away game 1-1 uh, before the whole game, which I said we would lose 2-1 and we drew 1-1 because, of course, we did. Um, I have quite a good feeling about this one, which is completely unscientific, but it's sort of... Um, so, so I actually wasn't on the pod post Millwall and well, I think I actually was on the pod post Millwall wasn't I because we did the Hull and Millwall games together but I wasn't on post Swansea and I think like others I was pretty worried by that result at the time just because obviously given our excellent home record to then go and lose two at home um, it, you know against teams where they looked like winnable games uh, maybe didn't bode so well um given you know that we really need to be maximizing points in the games where we're not playing really really top sides at this level um at home but having had a couple of weeks to reflect on it thanks to uh the wonderful international break i sort of just feel like this is this league right it is up and down but when you're a sort of middling to kind of lower middling team which i think is well, I'm not going to say we aspire to be that. Obviously, we aspire to be as, as good as we can. But, you know, I think we all, all say that that would constitute a good season if we end up finishing somewhere from, from 12th to 18th. That's kind of been the bracket that I think most of us are, are looking at. Um, yeah, when, when you are a team like that at this level, you'll lose some strange games where the form book, maybe at a lower level, would be followed to to a greater extent. This is a league where anyone can beat anyone. Um Millwall were just super well organized against us. And obviously Swansea were coming off the back of a run of really good results, having been abysmal for the first few weeks of the season. So I don't think it portends going forward and into Saturday's game in particular that we are going to be, you know, that we're a struggling side and we should all hunker down now for this inevitable relegation dogfight. Um, it's also very possible that we will go there and lose, of course, because they're a good side with some good players. But they're also a pretty middling side for this level. And I just sort of think having lost two on the bounce that we've still got a bit of a winning mentality in us from last season, that Shuey is intelligent enough to make tactical tweaks. Um, and West Brom are also a team who've had some fairly erratic results this season, some really good ones, but also some some pretty poor ones, including a couple of failures uh, you know, at home against teams that maybe you'd have expected them to beat. I think they lost at home to Huddersfield uh, a few weeks ago, just to cite one example. Um so yeah, I've got I've actually got a pretty good feeling about it. I think um I think we absolutely can go there and, and bounce back. Um again, not to say it'll be an easy game, it'll certainly be a test. And on paper, they are they are the better side of the two of us, but um they're perhaps not quite as good as they showed at times in the middle part of last season after they hired Corcoran, after having a really dreadful start under Steve Bruce last season, uh, where they looked like a, a sort of playoff team before eventually tailing off. Um I say this season they look more of a kind of up and down mid table side, and I think absolutely think that's what we can be as as well. So, yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about it without wishing to be complacent. Yeah, Dan, we're um we're yet to win on the road this season. Do you see us picking up the maximum? What what do we need from this one? We we need, as we said after the Bristol City debacle, um, we need an element of being solid uh, early doors. We, we we probably do need a bit of luck. I don't want to kind of say it's all just down to luck and we should just kind of sit tight and wait for something lucky to happen for that result to come through. But it would be, yeah, as John says, West Brom are a team with with more resources than us. They've got a you know they've got a good squad. Um, 
they are a they've made a decent if unspectacular start to this season and you could probably argue that you know whilst their home record's pretty good i think 10 points out of five games they've yeah yeah they um they lost to huddersfield they beat sheffield wednesday you know who hasn't um and they um, played Swansea and Middlesbrough probably at good times. You know, Michael Duff still trying to implement his style at Swansea early doors. Middlesbrough when they were struggling under Carrick. So you could say they've had a pretty easy run of home games. Um, also, Dan, Dan, just quickly, Middlesbrough played uh, quite a lot of that game with 10 men as well. Yes, I think they did. Yeah, I think they had a man sent off at, um, I think it was at 3-1 and it finished 4-2 or something like that. I think I think we can go there and get something for sure. You know, perhaps the law of averages dictates that we're bound to win away at some time, but um, but obviously, you know, reality it doesn't it doesn't work like that, and we've just got to just keep grafting. Really, try and maybe be a little bit pragmatic, a little bit boring, a little bit solid, um, and and just try and and just try and nick something. You forgot to add in the break, didn't you? Should we call that a break? <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, Ben, now that we've had a less strenuous two weeks, which seven players would you change for this one? <laughs> yeah, they were all all tired from international duty. Um, Do you make any changes for this one? You don't know what Shuey's plan is. They, as has been said, the, the staff like to tailor the 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 game plan to each side. Now, the reason I'm not so confident about getting a result is West Brom love to attack down the wings, cross the ball in, and they're very aerially dominant. So we've got we we tend to produce space behind the fullback slash wingbacks and aren't very good in the air. So what Shuey will do, that's obviously, you know, Shuey's not stupid. He'll know that that's a strength of theirs versus one of our weaknesses. You've got to think that he's going to change the system or the personnel somehow. I don't quite know how he's going to do that. You could say bring big guys on, um, play big guys like Butcher, but, you know, I don't know what Butcher's going to do unless he plays the Houghton role and sort of drops in between two centre-backs. Um, play the three centre backs well. Just because Gillespie's a big guy doesn't mean that he's great in the air. In fact, he switched off momentarily, didn't he, for the first goal against Wansey, which was a, was a dink ball to the back post, which caused a problem. So I don't know what the solution is. I don't get paid to to make those decisions. I'm sure the guys are much better equipped to come up with a game plan than me. But I do see it being a bit of a strange selection. I do see there being some kind of weird um, transitions between shapes in in defence and attack. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't like to to put any kind of money. It's hard enough at the best of times to guess Shulette, isn't it? But um, I wouldn't like to guess at what the formation or the the team is going to be. Just that it will be a surprise. I feel um I feel duty bound to point out that if Sam Down were here, he would say uh that Shuey likes to play players against their former clubs. So I think um we can expect a, a Finazaz return to the starting lineup after Luke Cundell, of course, played against his former club. Uh, in the Swansea game. Yeah, when was Finn there as a child? Well, he started his career there. Uh, I don't think he ever made a professional appearance for them, but um, he was there and then uh, Villa signed him from from the Hawthorns. Nice. Okay, well, Finn starts then. That's that's nailed on. Uh, talking of Finn, Finn, obviously I joked about the seven changes, but is there is there perhaps anything in us focusing on getting the maximum in midweek and resting one or two on Saturday? Oh, well, I mean, to be honest, I I just like to, there's an argument to be said. You, you you know you play the opposition and you make tactics for whatever opposition you're playing. But 
I would like us generally, to, if we can, to sort of just park this experiment of forward the back. Um, I, I know, I know. The last couple of games we started with a three at the back, and but but I I and I understand why we might have changed formation, you know, to begin with at the start of the season. But apparently, I just don't think we have the the, the personnel um in the squad to to put um as strong a side out. Don't get me wrong, there are some players that in in um the four at the back system that suits them better. Um, but I don't think that's enough to merit um, you know, it being our consistent formation for the rest of the season. So first of all, I'd I'd, I'd like us to 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 go with the three at the back again and, and try that for a while. Um and then I think I I don't think I would like him to overthink it too much because it's funny really we, we don't have too much expectation for this season but if Shui now loses another couple of games on the bounce after this I would say that's probably the first time he's going to be under any sort of uh questions really since he's been Argyle manager which is which is which is quite remarkable when you think about it but um I so I wouldn't like to see him overthink it so maybe yeah um Azaz in for Kundal um, but I wouldn't do anything too drastic, and I would just, as lots of managers say after the feats, especially after having two weeks off, just go back to basics and see if we can make a result. And the problem with not getting anything from this is then the pressure for the Wednesday game is absolutely yeah. enormous. Yeah, so absolutely. You got to think he've he's he's got to go for something. Um, and if he if if he's not confident he can shore up the back, then you have to put up a, as many people on the pitch so we score one more. You know, sort of do the vindaloo, and and if they're going to get two or three, we need to get three or four, and not overthink the the defensive side of it, and just get something, get one point, a point even would be fantastic to bring home, and then there's less onus on the Wednesday game. Yeah, John, I'm sure you seem to be opinionated on pretty much everybody in the EFL, so I assume <laughs> you have some opinions on Carlos Corbran that you'd like to share. Disappointingly for you, he's not a sort of um, object of my irrational loathing like uh, really any number of other championship clubs and managers. Um, no, I think he's. I think he's. Um, he's obviously a really good manager. Took a very not good on paper Huddersfield side all the way to the championship playoff final a couple of years ago, which I think was a ridiculous achievement. Obviously, you look at what's happened to them since then. Uh, very nearly relegated last season. Um, after cycling through a number of managers and finally ending on on the Neil Warnock safety option, this season looked like a, a, a little bit more solid than maybe I'd expected them to, and and certainly um, better than they showed against us on the opening day of the season uh, since then. Um, but you know, not not an amazing side. So yeah, to get that team to a playoff final, fantastic achievement, and then. When he came in at West Brom last season, they were in really dire straits under under Steve Bruce. I actually um have a friend, a good friend who's a Bristol City fan, and I went with him to the Hawthorns last season when he was visiting. Uh, he lives abroad now, so he was visiting the country and, and asked if I wanted to go to the Hawthorns, which I did. I said, you know, it's a new ground for me, and I don't know when when else I'll be able to take that off. So uh, up I went on a midweek London to uh, West Brom jaunt, and here I am, less than a year later, going back on a a much more amenable Saturday timetable, but um. Yeah, I saw them. That I think I think it was just after they sacked Bruce and had a caretaker manager in, and they were awful that night. They lost two 0 to a fairly average Bristol City team. I came away, and I think I actually messaged a few people, maybe including Dan, saying I think this lot could really go. They they look completely bereft of confidence, very poorly organised, not a lot of quality. Corbrain came in, and, and a few months later, they were one of the form teams in the Championship. Looked like they were on a a rocket ship to the playoffs. Um, them and, and Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough were sort of grouped together as two sides who had dreadful starts and then really, you know, just got going in sort of October, November kind of time and raced up the table. In West Brom's case, they couldn't maintain it, uh, whereas Middlesbrough did and ended up in the playoffs. West Brom fell away, but I think it would be harsh to blame that on on Corboran, um, given how well he did to get them up into, into that playoff contention in the first instance. This season has been... Uh, a bit more of, as, as I said earlier, of an up and down mid table type season for them. But um, I, don't, I don't, if I were a Baggies fan, I don't see, think I'd see any reason to doubt the manager. Um, and um, yeah, it's such a tight league that a team in, in sort of 11th or 12th or indeed even lower can can 
soar up the table or or fall down it pretty rapidly. Yeah, I think I think he's a good manager, and um, I'm sure he'll have them well drilled for for trying to nullify some of the threats that we pose. Anything to add, Dan? You're, you're another one that likes to be opinionated on managers. I feel. Am I? Um, <laughs> maybe not. Then. Yeah, it's um, you have to say what a brilliant job Corbrand's done uh, or did last season to get them out of trouble. He seems to have, especially um, more recently, um, gone to a back three with them, um, having mainly played a back four shape last season. Um, which I don't know what how their fans kind of feel about that, given that they are kind of slightly kind of sat in mid just in mid table at the minute. But yeah, it's kind of kind of done the opposite of um, of what we did um, over the summer. So kind of gone from a back four shape to a back three shape. I think their their three centre backs look. Um, pretty solid. Ajay, Bartley, and and Peters. I think they tend to play Peters normally being a left back, but they've kind of converted him to left centre back, and seems to have done pretty well so far. Yeah, and quite a lot of goals in their games as well. Um, so far, thirty-two in the eleven um, league games they've had so far this season, which I suspect is probably above the league average. Yeah, it it, it will be tricky. Um, to to maybe keep it tight as we said we maybe try and do. It's difficult to say, you know, should should we really go gung ho against them when you know they are probably better than us in all in all honesty, as most teams are in this league. We are I'm duty bound to kind of remind remind listeners. It, it's a tricky one, as as we said earlier. I think you know, Shui will Shui will probably know best. Yeah, Ben, I didn't actually pre warn you of this one. Maybe I should have. Um, you like a stat or two? How how do you see this one? Um, going up against West Brom, if it was played on paper, who's coming out as the winner? Uh, I think on paper, West Brom. Um, like I've said, purely because they don't have a glaring weakness. Um, their passing statistics are pretty good um, and their passing accuracy is slightly better than ours, for example. Um, they're aerially dominant, um, both defensively and attacking, um, which is worrying for us. So sort of like, getting hold of the ball in midfield when um, when it's pinging around a little bit might be harder. And we know that we can go into our shell a little bit when that happens. Um, and they're very, very clinical in front of goal, sadly, for us. Um, I'd much rather be playing Southampton, uh, although not necessarily in the form they're in, but it's all uh, the recent Southampton um, than, than West Brom um, because they're lethal. Now, hopefully there's a regression to the mean. They get a whole hat full of chances and, and miss them all. Uh, and, and we come away with a with a lucky win or something, or an, even a nil nil. But um, that's worrying. And good teams tend to to keep that going for a while. You'll find a lot of teams in, at this level will perform above their xG um, and above their sort of um, chances created. Um, so on paper, you'd think West Brom would take it for those reasons. However, I, I kind of disagree. The whole keeping it tight at the back thing is. It hasn't worked. It really hasn't worked. I think uh, we've tried to be a little more conservative, including the the change in formations. And as Shuey said, sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say they're just good. You know, that was just a good piece of play. That was a good effort. You know, that that shot, the striker, the midfielder wouldn't have normally put it that far into the corner at times. And if we're gonna have to say, I mean, I don't always agree with that. I think you can point to a lot of individual errors, but so I don't know if he's taking some heat off the players. But if you're going to um, blame. Um, that sort of thing, then I think that um, you might have to say, well, we're going to concede. We have to give ourselves the best chance of outscoring the opposition because we're not going to keep a clean sheet. Um, and so the way to beat West Brom might be to allow them and hit them on the counter with the best counter, allow them the corners, allow them to play the balls over the corner to the edges of the box. And then when we get the ball, try and hit them as hard as possible and as well as possible with our most clinical finishes. I mean, they'll know which of their finishes are the most accurate with their shots on target, which of our players are the, are the um, uh, convert the most chances, etc. Put those men on the field, or at least have them scheduled to come on early in the second half. Give them a stuff a bundu, someone to run at, either through the middle or, or from out wide. Perhaps play, say for example, Mumba as a fullback if he's happy to play it for a little bit. Put Bundu in front of him. You've got two threats there. I know Kane, Kessler, Hayden, and a Mumba have been doing well up that side, but that gives them two different t- uh, things to worry. Two different styles of play. Whereas I think Kane, Kessler, Hayden. And, Bali Mumber up the left, for example, um, play very similarly. So if you can deal with one, it, you, you're pretty able to deal with the other. Yeah, I think that might be the way to go. Just try and hammer them. Um, so, yeah, 
that 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 would be my attempt at overcoming the statistics. It's a very difficult one, isn't it? Because I I massively applaud the way that we've attempted to play at the start of this season, and you know we and we had a decent points return kind of after five five games, didn't we? With kind of resources far lower in terms of playing budget than a lot of our opposition, basically all of our opposition, trying to play a really kind of progressive passing style and being aggressive and on the front foot in games, it it's hell of a ballsy and and it and it works to an extent. So yeah, massive massive credit for to Shui for kind of implementing that. Um, it's yeah, it, I I'd love to say let's keep doing that. We should keep faith in it. That's the best way to go. I'd love to say, yeah, let's be a bit more pragmatic and just a bit more boring um, and try and try and kind of shut up shop and that'll be better. But I, I really don't know. It's, it's like you say, it's the trade-off between kind of playing the averages of, of just, you know, there are fewer goals in the game. Therefore we might, we've, we've got more of a chance because we're expected to lose versus probably our best way of playing, which I agree is when we're on the front foot. I would argue basically with, with, with the, you know, um, agreement we had, we did over the summer, it doesn't really play into being pragmatic. I mean, I know obviously we, we I know, players have really got some um, really good benefits. I think Gibson is probably up there with some of the best performers at centre-back in the championship this season um, so far. But even even though you know even them as defenders, they you know they like to step out of defense with the ball. They're progressive, um, and then you know I was I, I to be honest with you, you know I was surprised we started with a four at the back with, with like Tesla Hayden. He's very on the front foot all the time, and and really the only player personally I think that we've got to play at fullback uh, that is a proper fullback at the moment is is. is well, I don't even know if he's a proper fullback to be honest, because he spent most of the time at the club playing wing back. But Joe Edwards, I think, I, to be honest, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if we've got it in us to be that pragmatic, you know. I, I think we can, I think we can find a balance here um, to offer a more optimistic assessment. I mean, I went up to Hull and we played really, really well up there in a game where our attitude definitely wasn't, you know, they're going to score three and we're going to score four or five. Um, you know, it was a game where we had a measured approach. We sat in for the first 10 to 15, 20 minutes and just kind of, you know, felt out the rhythm of the game, didn't concede any stupid early goals like we had done uh, in our in our previous uh, three away games in the league. And grew our way into the game, got a really good goal. And then, you know, the, the width of the inside of the post away from going 2-0 up. And obviously, if we had, it might have been a different story. Um, as it was, they came back got an equaliser, looked more likely to win it late on. But it was a very balanced game on the whole. I think a point was definitely a fair result. And that was a game where I didn't feel like we went there and, um, you know, parked the bus or or compromised our usual playing style. But we also didn't have a sort of kamikaze, reckless approach. Um, and and for, for my money, Hull are a better side than West Brom this season so far. So I, I think if we can go there and just keep it not tight in the sense of... Um, necessarily not playing with any expression or confidence but you know not make any stupid mistakes not let them have too many opportunities in the first 10 to 15 20 minutes grow our way into the game i don't see why we can't why we can't um you know find a nice balance of playing the way that we want to but also also you know in maybe in a more conservative fashion than some of the more helter skelter uh games that we've played this season i think the problem with that approach though is that if you've not front-loaded if you're not going hammer and tongs and you do concede which you have to acknowledge is a, is a possibility um as a manager not you know, and as a fan but if you acknowledge look there's a good chance we're going to concede because we're struggling to keep clean sheets have you equipped yourself with enough to do the damage you don't know until the day you don't know until the day you'd like to think you can play that balanced uh style and and do well enough at both ends or at least at either end to to get the result but as we're not necessarily doing enough in the defensive side of it even with a change of formation and a change of personnel is it time to maybe say well we're going to put all our eggs in the one basket rather than try and hedge our bets i'm not saying that is the right the right way i would i'm just saying for this particular game i certainly would i i think there's a weakness which we might uh, concede to which we can't do very much to to, to do anything about i.e. height and aerial dominance there's not much you can do to to check to change that um and that's why just in this instance i don't know if it's a viable 
um, solution for the rest of the season for sure. But on uh, for the merits of this game, um, it might be worth putting all the eggs in the offensive basket. I certainly don't know if that's sensible long term because all you've got to do against us then would be to to try and keep a clean sheet, and then you know you're going to get get chances to score. So I certainly don't think long term it's a viable um, solution, but. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. I'd really like to think that because I'm, I'm in many ways a defensive purist. I'd rather see us get a few nil nils now over the next few weeks than sort of four twos or four threes. To be honest, because I, you know, I enjoy that side of the game as much as anyone. So I'd, I'd love for for Shuey to get that balance, and maybe over this this uh, break, he's been able to to do work some magic. They might have been looking at the data and looking at the tape and come up with something. Um, so there is always that hope, but. Uh, I guess this is going to be the hopefully the the dawn of a new day. I do I do think at Hull though we had the personnel on the pitch to to shift to a more gung ho attacking style if that had been required. I mean we did have you know Whitcom Azaz Mumba in behind Hardy. Um, another thing that we need to, I, I guess I'm trying to be the the voice of optimism here. I think another thing that we have to take into consideration is that it is still very very early on in the season and we are new to this level and there will be a bit of naivety there. And then, you know, obviously we've got a manager who's not coached at this level before until now. I, I don't want to completely just write off the idea that we can be tactically flexible within games um, and, and between games as well. Um, and, and sort of like learn lessons about how to be a bit cannier and how to sort of have more control over keeping teams out. Like you say, obviously if West Brom, yeah, batter us with set pieces, they're going to have the physical edge over us uh that they just are and there's probably as you say not a lot that we can do about that but um i think we yeah i, th- I think just as a general point we should not all be thinking that the rest of the season is going to go quite as frustratingly as some of these early games have gone it certainly could happen but i don't think it's inevitable by any means and yeah be sadly would be a nice time to start to you know proving that we can nick a result here and there yeah whilst we're talking offensively obviously we all know that ryan hardy goes through those those patches of Barren runs of goals, and um, there's been a bit of. Sorry, do we do we all do we all know that, or have some people been slapping uh, five figure? Uh, sorry, uh, 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 five figure. <laughs> um, let's try again eight, with uh, eight, 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 eight figure, John. That's the one you're looking evaluations. for. Yes, uh, on on Ryan Hardy. So very grudgingly give you give you some credit, and I was going to say it more sincerely than I am now. You. Smug fuck, edit. But um, <laughs> but yes, you called that absolutely spot on. And um, yeah, um, in my excitement at seeing Hardy at the top of the championship goal scoring charts, I perhaps lost sight of that. Um, yeah, he goes through streaks, but it, it's you know it's, it's the way it is with him. I I still think he could easily get to double figures by January because he'll have another hot streak before January. But um, yeah, uh, maybe I was a bit premature with that one. For what it's worth, I'm not I'm not massively worried about it because I think he has still been playing well and, and yeah, contributing yeah, me to games. Absolutely. I think you've got to say as well, I mean, I know he hasn't, you know, been fortunate enough to be selected yet, but the Euros are literally, you know, at, at, at the end of the at the end of this at the end of the season. So so if he gets double figures, you know, there is there is a possibility he could be um, even on the standby list, you know. So he he's got a person. I'm not saying you know it, he wouldn't he wouldn't do it otherwise, but there's an extra bit of motivation for him in terms of a personal goal. Finn, I've had this abuse um, on Twitter already just for asking what he needs to do to get in the squad. He is not. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's be ten times better than Kevin Nisbet. Um, so he's. I think he's currently on course for that. Is he not? Just on 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 Hardy that. Um, you know, teams have worked out, not not they wouldn't have known, but the teams know how he plays. And um, as I've said before, I don't mean it as a disservice. He's excellent at what he does, but it is one dimensional as a goal threat. But as a team player, he also has a great role in the team. I, I think that his his little run to pull the Huddersfield defender for Bali Mumba's goal right at the end. I know I keep mentioning it, but it's such a clever little mover just at the per- perfect time to take the eye and the stance of the defender so Mumba can just go past that last man. There's a lot he can offer as a supporter. He doesn't need just goals. It's not just a case of striker score goals. He can bring other people into play. But the last couple of games, he's looked extremely isolated. He's been forced wider and wider with his run, so he can't just get through on goal and and beat the last centre-back. So he can do a lot more for the team if he's not able to 
to play that role if, if teams aren't playing a high line he can be the 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 out ball or the um he can come a little bit deeper but he needs he can't do that and if he's not got players like Whitaker and Azaz and Kundal in and around him there's been too many times when he's looked a little bit isolated because I think the players have been you know ch- chasing back defending or or in a slightly not expecting the ball to go there and so they're not on the front foot to go and support him and you know he's worked really hard off the ball chasing the ball down he's put effort into into runners into the channel and to sort of say oh well it's dried up I'm not saying that's what you were saying but for for fans to sort of say well he's he said a dry patch is that that does a great disservice to what he does for the team yes when he gets through on goal it's normally one of two you know situations that have put him in but in terms of what else he can offer the team there's there's quite a lot there and he does do that you know the reason why his assists are so high um, and it's not just because people are picking up the rebounds from his shots he's you know he's making good assists so but that's not going to happen if he doesn't get the support. So then he, I hope that there's, that's been worked on and, and talked about because he still had, can, you know, if Bundu's not going to play there or we've got to wait till January for an, a, an alternative um, man up top, um, he can perform that role as a support man in that position, um, but he needs the support around him. Otherwise, he's just running himself into the ground for no good reason. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I've been... <laughs> amongst if not the biggest critic of, of, of Ryan Hardy over the years on this podcast um and my thing about him is not that he 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 doesn't um score goals he will always score goals um but the goals like you said Ben um he his, his attacking threat is quite one-dimensional and if the game isn't isn't suited to him quite often he finds himself isolated um to be fair to him I do think Taking another level to step up this season, his his overall game um has improved as we saw. I mean, everyone was great against Norwich, weren't they? But but you know, as we saw against Norwich is a prime example of him um being more than than just a goal scorer. Um so to be fair to him, he has improved on that. But I, I think the hot streaks for Hardy kind of aren't coincidental. They're kind of when the team's going going for a good patch one because they're able to, you know supply him better because his runs his runs are very obvious a lot of the time it's just whether um if he's coming up against defenders with not a lot of pace they're going to struggle aren't they so I think it's kind of not really coincidental that when the team doesn't do well he doesn't do so well either yes he's a striker but what I mean is he doesn't really even get involved in the game uh if he's not you know when he's not playing well when when he's scoring, he seems to be everywhere and and chasing down balls and you know involved in the play. But when he's not scoring, he doesn't really seem to to be that effective at all. To be honest, yeah, I mean this has gone incredibly off topic of what I was going to get to, but um, I know those um those movements you mean Ben because I do those at goals uh, on a <laughs> Tuesday and a Friday and nobody ever um, praises me for them for dragging a defender and. I don't know why they come with me. They know I'm not going to get the ball. Where I was going with that is, obviously, there's been some clamour online for Bundu to get his first start. Obviously, he didn't go away with uh, Sierra Leone. Are you are you chucking him in um, on Saturday, Dan? Or was it too early? Uh, not for this game, no. Because of West Brom's um, aerial dominance of their centre-backs. Bartley and Ajay, in particular, are huge. And whilst Bundu has shown some um, really promising cameos and, and some good link-up play. And I, I think he'll, by those signs, I think he'll be a good player for us. But I think Hardy's pace potentially in behind to stretch that back line, especially Bartley and Peters on the left-hand side with a little bit less pace. Ajay is a bit quicker. But yeah, I, th- I think that that right channel could be profitable for us with some balls over the top for Hardy to chase in behind. And then, as Ben says, making sure that, you know, Whitaker and or, or whoever plays in the tens behind um, is able to get up and support him so he doesn't become isolated. Um, so not yet for Bundu, but I think it, it's certainly in time. And as we start getting into, you know, we've got another three games coming next week and we've got plenty of those throughout the season where we've got three games in a week and we need to rotate. Um, so Bundu will definitely get his chance. Anybody advocate for him being in there? The, the only thing I would say is that if we're going to talk about aerial dominance, I know that Bundu isn't, great in the air but he is also massive um so maybe that's you know feeds into the thinking i don't know oh argyle as well yeah argyle are also massive yeah, um, yeah. i would Sorry. not 
I'm not necessarily advocating for starting Bundu, but I would not be surprised if he does start for the reasons that Ben uh, enumerated about height and also because it's it's Shulet. The other thing that Bundu, the, you know, he's only ever played out wide. And I sort of said on the last the last time I was on, it would be great to start him against Sheffield Wednesday with no jeopardy, have two men pinning the fullbacks um, and, and get him t- running at people. He could actually play in this game as a 10, as a bigger 10 with Whitaker, um, if he's willing to play from the left or if Whitaker can 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 swap sides. Um, because you'd then have two relic. I'm not saying Whitaker's the most physical in terms of the way he puts himself about, but he is strong. Um, and and they are very good at the tackle, West Brom. They're they're their tackles are among the highest in the league, successful tackles, and their fouls are like pretty much bottom. So they're very good at tackling. So smaller, lighter players will get brushed off the ball. People like Kundal, um, as as is, you know, he's a big guy, but he appears to get brushed off the ball a little too easy for my liking at times. So I don't know if someone like Mustafa Bundu playing in the ten role as a more physical, being able to keep men off the ball, to hold the ball maybe a little bit longer for people, other people to get into play, might be a trick that a um, the opposition aren't expecting, and b. Um, would produce more more um, production than involving one of the more technical but smaller players in that role. Just a you know amusing. So a Bundu hat trick on Saturday. Heard it here first. Boing boing Bundu. Does that work? No, not really. But I enjoyed it. <laughs> Talking of uh, Shui Roulette and and shock choices if fit are you chucking Cooper straight in for this one if he managed 90 minutes against uh, Gary Johnson's Torquay uh, no I, I, I would wait until sort of um, sort of November when we play our first FA Cup game uh, or is it December now we play it but, but I really wouldn't I really wouldn't put Cooper in with um, out any especially after six months out we know how good he is so um, well, we need, you know, it's an ACL injury. It's, it's, it's as we know, for all footballers, it's, it's, it's a big one. So, so I wouldn't be in any rush. Look, I don't, I think Hazard has had some really good games. Um, I think he's had some not so good games and um, some not so good moments, but also made some really good saves. He's, he's kind of been um, a, a player. That, that has the potential to play at championship level, but as the kind of form that you would expect, given that really outside of a loan at Helsinki um, last year, and I don't really know the, the level of Finnish league as a whole. I know he played a few games in the Champions League and Europa League and stuff, but um, aside from that loan last year, he hasn't really played any professional football ever. So I don't think so. Um, well, the Scandinavian leagues must be quite good if... if um... Bailey Peacock Farrell's. Well, good. yeah, I was going to say that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, but I don't look. I don't think Connor Hazard has, has, has done, you know, bad enough just to be, you know, discarded at the at the, at the first opportunity, especially with Cooper not playing football in about nine months. I think it's also though about the, you know, firstly, let's assume that he is fully fit, that you know he's not sort of being rushed back in. A, is he confident enough to come back in? But B, what was the plan when Hazard was brought in? You can assume that it was, you have to assume it was one of two things, that Hazard comes in, plays until Cooper's fit, then becomes the number two until Cooper is sold. Presumably, unless Argyle sort of do a madness, he's going to move on, we think, if he reaches his potential to a a top-tier team, or at least... Um, to the very top of the the championship level team, that would be my assumption. That at some point Argo will probably have to cash in on that asset, and then Hazard becomes the number one. That might have been the scenario put to him. If that's the case, we need to get Cooper playing to see if he's still the same player after the injury and whether he's an asset that will stay saleable, or if he you know might have suffered because it is that sort of explosive um, muscle related injury that it, it might make a difference it might take him a while to get his confidence back if we leave that decision as a coaching staff as a club until later in the window it might not lead to a conclusive answer by the end of the season um 
so I'm just just from from the long term view, not from the short term view. I completely agree that Hazard's performance has been perfectly serviceable by the standard of the league. I'd say he's one of the top sort of I don't know six seven keepers easily. He's definitely in the top twenty four. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I'm quite happy if he had to stay there all season. It, you know, there there are other areas of concern. I think that they need addressing a little bit quicker. But if Cooper's you know, depending on what the plan is with Cooper, do we keep him and we're selling Hazard after a year or so, um, or um, Callum Burton, or are we planning on shipping Cooper on at some point soon? Depending on what the club's thinking is on those things, regardless of which one, I do think Cooper needs to be playing sooner rather than later. Um, and it's not necessarily about being harsh on Hazard. I assume he knew that was the, the state of play when he came in. When Mike's fit again, you'll probably be number two, unless... He sort of backed himself to no, I can, you know, go in there and I'll play a weldy and they they think I'm gonna go to number two and I'm I'm absolutely not. Um, in which case there might be fireworks. But I, I assume that they sold it to him that at least for this season, when Mike's back, you're going on the bench. So I don't think he's necessarily gonna be heartbroken or crushed when if that was to happen. I think that will be sort of on the agenda. Um and then with that known, I think ultimately you have to give Cooper minutes so you know what 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 asset you have. So he's a known quantity by the end of the season and you can plan then going forward what you're doing with finances and budgets, etc. Not to mention the squad. I know um, you can never read too much into football interviews and stuff. And, and you know, because they're very media trained often and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, as I did say at the start of the season when he signed, you know, my goal is to play first team football. Now, I like, like you said, Ben, I, I would imagine that like, they would have probably he probably knows that he's second choice to Mike Keeper when he comes back in. But like you said, there's probably a long-term plan. Therefore, you would imagine. I know, I know, I know, 150 grand or whatever it was, but we don't usually spend money on keepers either. So there's that. It's just a shame that he is a keeper, really, though, isn't it? Like if it, anywhere else on the pitch, you can give him 10, 15 minutes or whatever you can where you could, but be interesting. I suppose we've got subs now, haven't we? Just chuck a keeper on for 10-15 minutes. What is it that Arteta said recently about his biggest regret as a manager not so far not being is being not taking um goalkeepers off the pitch when they're having a bad performance? It's going pretty well for him so far, isn't it? Not doing that. So um yeah. I know you don't like playing Shui Roulette as a group. Uh Dan, name your lineup for this one. Quick eleven. Quick. Quicker. Quick eleven. Okay, right. Hazard. Or is that the is that the eleven? Is that the eleven quickest players? Or an eleven <laughs> done quickly? If you want. Oh, blimey. Quicker. Uh, quicker. Um, I'd match up their their system. So I would go Hazard, Plegathuelo, Scar, Gibson, um, Edwards, Houghton, Randall, Mumba, Whitaker, Azaz, Hardy. Nice. Finish up. In a second or two, John, you've already mentioned that your previous trip to the Hawthorns. Any tips for first-time visitors? Any good pubs? Uh, <laughs> last season, uh, when I went with Bristol City, we were told that there was a pub that was letting in away fans, walked 25 minutes from the ground to this pub and weren't let in because there were too many away fans in there compared to home fans. Um, so, no, I have no pub recommendations. We ended up drinking in the ground. Um, also, the stewards let everyone sit wherever they wanted and then started enforcing assigned seats whenever anyone went out to go to the loo or at halftime to get a pint. So people were coming back and finding they were banned from entering the bit of the block where they had been stood for the entire game, which was complete chaos. Uh, so, yeah, uh, maybe watch out for that. I don't know if that was a one-off, but um, yeah, lack of drinking options and overzealous stewards. It's going to be a great day out. Oh, nice. Sounds like... <laughs> which might get cut not that we tow the club line but um yeah anyway um how are we feeling going into this block of five games coming up before the next international break is that how few it is mm. oh, they're really regular aren't they I'm getting bored of it already yeah think of how many my argyle lives we have to record and one of them we can't even put out yet i feel uh, still excited that we're at this level and I'm just really looking forward to it. I think there's a there's a creeping negativity coming in already, which I think is ludicrous at this point. And while I obviously want us to do as well as we can and stay up, um, 
I think we've we've longed for this type of experience for yeah years. And how many games until it. we're doing an emergency Gary Rowlett style um, manager sacking special? Many many games. Good, correct answer. Some quick fire questions uh, to finish this one up. Player of the season so far. We're a quarter of the way in. Who, who have you got? I'm going to go um, Adam Randall just because he's the best on earth. Gibson, I think, in terms of consistent performances. One million percent Jordan Houghton. Oh, Seconded. Yeah. Ben? I, I, I hate this whole thing. I'm going to go, just because he hasn't been mentioned, I'm going to say Morgan Whitaker. Um, he's He was questioned and he's, he's stepped up well and I think he'll be key going forward. Oh, actually, whilst you mentioned him, uh, put a tweet out. Can't remember how much it is, but the price that his shirt went for that he scored the hat trick in against Swansea is absolutely madness. Um, one thousand eight hundred and five pounds, um, which is mad. If you've got that sort of spare change, um, feel free to sponsor this pod. Um, not that you would, to be honest. Don't get much out of it. I can give you a match worn, uh, a pod worn shirt, I suppose. If you could pick one player from the sides we've already played this season, who are you nabbing? Oh, that's a good one. Maybe Cameron Pring, Bristol City. I mean, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird question, isn't it? I mean, I think probably one of the best players we've come up against is Jaden Philogene. So I'd be tempted from Hull, who I'd be tempted to say, but he is a sort of tricky winger slash attacking midfielder, and we have quite a number of those. So in reality, uh, maybe Bielik from Birmingham. Mm. My pragmatic nature's coming out and I'm looking at where we need cover. And so maybe Kyle Walker Peters. He was he was classy. Um and I thought Wesley Hoot was an excellent centre back and he's got height and he can ping a ball so it drops softly, which would really suit our our front three. So controversial, yeah. but Jay Stansfield. <laughs> just to, just to <laughs> let him rot on the bench. Yeah, no, I think I think he would suit our side very well, and I he 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 would never come to us for obvious reasons. But I he, I would have I would have gone for him for him in the summer had it been a realistic opportunity. So why wouldn't he come to us? Wasn't his dad born in Plymouth? Yeah, yeah, he was Plymouth blood. I'm sure he's a big fan of that. Uh, most improved players so far this season? Obviously, I think you've already mentioned him, John. Well, I mentioned him as player of the season, but yeah, probably probably the same, to be honest. Probably also Jordan Houghton. I think he's stepped up to the level incredibly, incredibly well. Anybody else? No? No, I think I have to agree. Um, yeah. Especially because of the role he plays on the pitch. As I think we mentioned it in the uh, the the review of the two, two losses. He plays as sort of captain at the um, in terms of mentally for everybody, the coach rather, not the captain, he plays with the coach on the pitch. And, and so he's not just playing his role, which he's doing you know, excellently well. I think everyone you know, sees it as a revelation just in that, but he's also doing more mentally. The teams are sharper, the teams are quicker, and he's keeping the team sort of, he's you know herding cats out there as well as playing his role. So definitely uh, the most improved. Yeah, nice. And then a nice little finisher, uh, just your score predictions for Saturday. I'm going to go with a... 1-1 one, one draw. My head's telling me a 1-0 loss. But we'll go with a draw. 3-1 Albion, sadly. Oh, God. Finn? 2-1 uh, West Brom. John? 3-1 to us. I've got a Norwichy feeling about it. Oh, nice. And last word from Dan Ellard. School prediction. Well, I really like Sam's shout that um, Ipswich nope. is going to be our first away win, nope. which I cannot get nope. out of my head now. So, um, yeah, cut that and 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 fantasize over it, Ipswich fans, when they beat us four nil. Um, therefore, <laughs> for that reason, um, I'll go for two nil Albion. Yeah, nice. I think we'll call that a night. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. Cheers. Before we go. Just a quick reminder to enter our giveaway. You can find it on Twitter. It's linked up in our bio, nice and easy. Um, and then we'll Aaron's be- pod worn shirt. Oh, imagine um, that is not going to happen. Un- unwashed, especially not this one. 
Um, and I'm not giving away my brand new Ben Wayne match worn uh, Wellington Phoenix shirt from our friends over on Fever FM on uh, down in New Zealand. That's the end of another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Before you go, please make sure you drop us a review on whichever podcast platform you are using and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Argyle Life 1886. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.